three. Tuned into the Navarro Miller Report, featuring the hottest in news, entertainment, sports, and all those topics for the mainstream audience. The Navarro Miller Report. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Navarro Miller Report. I'm your host, Dave Navarro. And I'm Jeremy Miller. And man, it doesn't stop raining here. When will it ever end? For the love of God! Honestly, I feel like we're in Oregon. I mean, it's I it's mean, and it's snowing. Oh, every mountain, every peak is covered, and I have honestly never seen it quite like this in all my childhood years when we used to get regular rain. The dinosaurs roam the earth. Yes, thank you. I have never seen every peak. <laughs> surrounding you know the valley surrounding san bernardino everything is capped with huge amounts of snow this is amazing it's been beautiful i know people have been you know the amount of rain has been a big problem we just had another um you know uh hillside collapse on saturday morning i think two or three houses were taken at least um they've been yellow tagged by the city because they're dangerous to enter so these people now have nowhere to stay mm. a lot of people are dealing with a lot of negative effects from this um so you know uh, the land around here is not used to this much water coming down all at once bro i'm not used to this snow man i mean we're not getting any snow where i'm at but i'm still not used to this cold weather like seriously <laughs> i'm like bundled up and I'm your typical, oh my God, you're California because, you know, you're like, so you're not used to the cold. No, no shit. We're not used to the cold. We're never used to the cold weather. Are you kidding me? That's why we were born. That's why I was born and raised here where it's beautiful weather. 70 degrees all year long, long, you know, come on. I love this stuff though. I love the change. I mean, I'm sorry. I do. I'm, I'm, you know, I really enjoy the changes in season and weather when we, when we get an actual season, it happens, what, every five to 10 years out here. Dude, I think the last time I saw hail was probably about maybe what eight, nine years ago, maybe that I saw hail actually come down. It's possible where you are <laughs> up uh, up here. We get a little bit more. I've had it a couple times over the last few years. Actually, had hail so big it destroyed my garden uh, last Ooh. year. I think it was last year or the year before. Absolutely destroyed. I came out my plants like every stalk was broken because these huge, you know freaking hail about golf ball size were coming down oh, <laughs> man. they took out all my stuff <laughs> oh man that's 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 lost my peppers lost my tomatoes lost <laughs> man hey you know what frozen frozen vegetables right there you know <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if it quite works that way oh well you know you try what can you do <laughs> want to welcome everybody to the stream hey jc how you doing uh welcome to the stream uh he goes ahead and says uh Good evening, Dave Navarro and Jeremy Miller. Throw to join you from Hudson, New York, where we are supposed to get snow tonight and tomorrow. And cool background, Dave. Thank you very much. I kind of did the background a little bit. I uh, wanted to do kind of like our logo, red and blue, you know, signifying, you know, the bad and the good. Um, 
That's good. You put up the right hands too. You, you put I don't know where my hands are. Okay? Over, over here on your I'm side. Just when good. it comes to sides, okay? <laughs> good over here. See, this is the evil empire over no, here. I was going. I was going is, by. This is the Rebel Alliance. No, see, I was going by the logo. Okay, I was going by the logo. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so, anyways, uh, I wanted to welcome everybody else. We got uh, Deborah saying, uh, "Come to Atlanta. We have every season in a day." <laughs> oh yes i've been to atlanta many times been all over georgia and yes i i do love the changing seasons daily i can't do the humidity <laughs> i can't do the humidity honestly Georgia's not as bad as some places but you're always going to get that heavy humidity um i try and stay out of there in the middle of summer but love the spring and love the fall down in down in georgia always uh. have it's tough. It's tough. But, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, we're starting to, like, get that weather. Hopefully we'll get better weather. It's supposed to stop raining on Wednesdays. So that's that's a good sign, at least. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens the rest of the week. Who knows? I mean, uh, Punks Tony Phil did say that we had six more weeks of this. So when the Groundhog came, Groundhog came yep. out. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, we got a pretty cool show for you guys today. Hey, uh, Derek, how you doing? uh wanted to welcome everybody to the stream we got pretty good stuff going for you today but as uh tradition would have it again hashtag jeremy get a tiktok um we have a couple of blind reacts for jeremy to go ahead and take a look at this right here i found this one actually very interesting this is pretty much what uh this young lady saw as one of a dating nightmare uh, that she actually went through and uh according to her this is how dating in 2023 looks like Okay, hey. No, no. Oh my, oh my god. god. Okay, hey. 
I could have gotten in there a lot faster if I just ran. Okay, that's fine. Thank you. The nightmare date from hell. Jesus. <laughs> it's definitely a nightmare date, but we need to make clarification because the nice guy syndrome is a real thing, especially online right now. But that was not very, um, that was not very typical of the nice guy syndrome. That was, not, that was arrogant, narcissistic, controlling, controlling, you know, um, the only aspect of that, I guess, that could be construed as the nice guy thing was the opening the door thing. But even that was more a control issue. Um, yeah, that's a date from hell. If that was real, uh, if that was a real date, um, I feel bad for her that she had to go through that. Oh, um, yeah. that, that guy's an absolute idiot. Um, now, I will preface this, especially if anybody who's you know watching has ever served me and Joni at a restaurant or, you know, waited on us. Um, Run. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, Joni has worked restaurants as well yeah. as I have. Yeah. We know how hard it is. We do not make our servers' lives more difficult. Very true. Very true. Because um, I've been there when you guys order and you guys like are very polite and everything. We go out of our way. I mean, we oh, know yeah. what it's like. And, oh, yeah. um, but the thing is, being a chef, and Joni and I being together 20 years, not a almost 20, not a first date. Joni almost always looks at the menu and then asks me what I think she would really like. Your and then ask and then ask me to order for her. But again, I've known we've known each other for almost 20 years. I do know what she absolutely would love. And because of the chef aspect, I know how the ingredients are going together in a way that she generally says she doesn't. So she relies on my experience. I, I, um, from what I understand, you've also spoiled her for ever going to any restaurant that without you, because like, seriously, she told me, she's like, I can't go to a restaurant without like, just like the food. I need to know it's good. I need to know. Cause Jeremy has spoiled me for any restaurant. Like I well, can't go to any, just any restaurant. I got to go to one. That's like, I know the food's going to be good. Cause thanks to Jeremy. I was like, I know he's done that to me too. You actually done that to me too. Like I can't go to typical restaurants anymore. Thanks to you. I'm sorry. I love the good stuff. And I love finding more hole in the wall style places that are delivering really good meals, but maybe not charging quite as much as everybody else. So when you're used to say sushi, that's good, you know, place that's flavorful that you've always liked, but then you go to a place that's serving truly great sushi. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that happens. And yes, unfortunately, you never quite enjoy the lesser stuff as much after you've tasted the best. That's just the you. truth. And I'm sorry, you. but I love introducing my friends to great <laughs> things they haven't tried yet. Um, yeah, but you I know. can't afford it later. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's like, it's like a drug, you know, you gave me the taste, but now I can't afford it. So I can't even go there anymore. I'm not putting Joni. This is not a drag on Joni. She has admitted it many times, but she was not a connoisseur of anything. I mean, she, you know, yeah. was raising three kids and dealing with an idiot ex who didn't help out at all, who didn't, her idea of wine when we first met was what you bought it, you know, the freaking gas station the box you know it was it was not it was not good so when we went out to dinner she said i don't like wine and i said really um 
okay, well, would you like to try mine? This is really good. And as soon as she tasted it, she was just blown away because, and I wasn't ordering $100, you know, $200 bottles or anything. I was just ordering a good bottle of wine. And she, she colors she's never seen before. Oh, yeah. No, it it, it blew <laughs> her mind, you know, and sushi and, you know, a great, a really great Italian restaurant or, so yes, unfortunately, when she when we go to anywhere that's just not quite as great or quite as fresh, she turns into the food critic. She's worse than me. I mean, oh, not towards the servers, not towards anybody else. She doesn't send food back. But as soon as she'll have a bite, she turns to me and she's like, this is missing this and this. It's not as good as this place. It's I mean, she is now a food critic. So I have kind of destroyed her on that one. Dude, I've I've eaten since we're talking about sushi i've eaten i've eaten at many like sushi restaurants and everything but the one you've in, you introduced me to which is a hole in the wall that's like in my city i didn't even know about until you introduced me to it and then i was like okay i've been paying so much more for food that's not even as good as this and this is so much less like it's 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 crazy man like it's crazy it's like from night and day you know type of thing so yeah i yeah, but but in this particular situation with this guy, I is this, this is just guy, like there's so many red flags, but they're oh, not yeah. really nice guy red flags. They're you know narcissistic personality disorder red. Oh, when flags. he when he was like when he was like, don't embarrass me. I was like, dude, I, I was afraid. I was like, dude, it was gonna be an Ike and Tina situation right there. You know, like ooh, ooh, ooh you need to get away from that guy right now. There were a lot of red flags there, and I swear, if my friend ever went on a date like that, I'd be like, "You run screaming now!" Oh yeah, no, it's bad. It's all bad. Well, we go from uh, one bad day to a young lady that uh, this girl's freaking hilarious. I see this all the time. She has issues with a lot of um, the uh, add-on, I guess, apps that the, the TikTok like filters that TikTok has, and these filters never seem to go her way. And every time, oh, it's just so bad. This one in particular, kind of, again, it just did not go her way. Just go ahead and check it out. Hey, fools, it's been way too long since I messed around with the filters on here. So let's see what's new. All right, what would I look like as a dog? Let's go. Downfall. I see we still have beef. We're going to try this again. And she better be cute this time. I'm a mugshot. Whoever's running this filter, I'm gonna come find you. Watch. Damn, what you gotta go there for? Not the little little. Let's see if one final one will pick up my spirits. It's okay to laugh. That first one killed me because she looked like divine. <laughs> you know, the, the 70s. Oh, yeah, uh, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. But these filters, these filters are killer for her every time she gets these filters and they're like, oh, what character do I look like? And it's the worst characters in the world. I'm just like, oh, I feel so bad. I feel so bad. I, lo I loved your little thing. Ah, I see we still have beef. <laughs> I would yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. The, her and those filters. It's her against the filters every single time. It's freaking hilarious. Yeah. yeah no. Uh, so this last one right here goes to Father of the Year Award. And let me tell you, this kid, for once, 
knew knew what it felt like to be a millennial slash generation xer and you're about to know and remember i told you that talking about the weather this this one's actually gonna go right up your alley Okay, one that's awesome that's right? that's a great dad that's something we would have done absolutely years ago um but the second thing is that i'm not kidding a i think i recognize them oh really oh my god and b i think that's my friend's street oh, wow because I recognize the houses and the curve of the street. That's I, hilarious. I actually think that they might live on one of my best friend's streets. Oh, that is hilarious, man. No, I, I just, what I was laughing is in the background, the kid was just like, wee, 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 like freaking out the entire time. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, here come the Karens. <laughs> uh, that poor kid shouldn't have been back there. That's wrong. You know, somebody oh, called up protective services. I'm sure there's plenty of people who will bitch at that video, but the truth is that's a great dad. That was an awesome thing to do. Uh, that looks so fun. I would have done that in a heartbeat, and I know my dad would have done that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. No, nah, for snow. Oh, my God, dude. That just... I, I did some pretty stupid stuff in the snow before. Like, I, I won't even I won't even lie. Like, I... Because, again... You did in, something stupid? I, I quiet, you. Quiet, you. Living in Southern California, you know, obviously we don't get snow, right? So uh, we have to go look for the snow. So many years ago, uh, I used to work for a company that did a lot of like uh, college trips and things like that. And every year for Martin Luther King Day weekend, we would have a snow trip with a bunch of colleges, UCLA, USC, uh, San Luis Obispo, all these colleges from all of California and parts of Arizona would come down. We'd go to Squaw Valley, Nevada for like the three day weekend. There'd be a concert, debauchery, you name it, it happened. Mm -hmm. So uh, fun times. So one year, uh, we all like had these little cabins in uh, South Lake Tahoe. And um, what ended up happening, or actually, no, it was in Reno. And what ended up happening was that it snowed heavily that, that year in, in that area of Reno. And um, I was a little bit uh, intoxicated. I mean, you know, little I can't, old me, I can't know. imagine. I mean, I'm an angel, okay? The halo's up there, you know, somewhere. I've never seen you like that. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I tried to do it with a straight face. Thanks. Appreciate appreciate the, I, appreciate the I made the effort, but that was hard. <laughs> well, this this particular moment happened to me. So one in one of the like parking spots, there's a huge pile of snow, really, really tall pile of snow. And they were uh, like, we would always get some sponsors to come on the trips with us. One of the sponsors was promoting a little mini, uh, I guess, snowboard. It was about maybe, I mean, I'd say about maybe two, three feet long. You know, not that, not, not that big. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this looks cool. So I climbed to the top of that little freaking pile of snow. And one of my buddies is looking up from the, from the balcony and he's like, Dave, don't do it, Dave. 
Dave, I don't want to have to call the medics. Dave, please. I was like, what are you talking about? I can snow. I've never snowboarded a day in my life, by the way, just so you know. Um, or skateboarded a day in my life, by the way, just so you know. So I'm like, don't worry. It's safe. It's just a little teeny tiny thing. I get on that sucker and I go swing all the way down and I hit shit flat on my face. I look, I look up, I'm like, ow. <laughs> He's like, my buddy looks, looks around. He's like, medic. <laughs> You're lucky it was just your face. Now, in, in the early days of snowboarding, um, that was one of the second or third times I had actually gone skiing. I'm skiing down the hill and there was a snowboarder in front of me. And this is in the early days when they hadn't perfected like the, the boots coming out of the snowboard, you know, when you the cliffs, crash yeah. and, you know, all that stuff. And this girl ate it and her snowboard stuck, but her body kept going. And I watched her oh, snap man. both ankles completely. Oof. I mean, completely Oof. snap Oof. both ankles. And I, at that moment in my life, decided I don't ever need to get on a snowboard ever again. Now, I know Oof. they have, I've, I've never done it. I know they've improved the safety and it works a lot better now, but after watching that, I I have no need to get on a snowboard. Oh, that's brutal. That's brutal. That is, oof. Oh, I can't even, because I messed up my ankles before, both my ankles, but that was during spring break, and I was, again, a little intoxicated. Do you see a running theme? <laughs> that I do really stupid shit when I'm drunk. <laughs> That I already knew. <laughs> Anyways, from one news <laughs> to, to another news, we we're gonna get, we got some uh, pretty offlandish news topics for you guys today, including one badass woman in Florida. This is a woman in Florida, but this one this one's a badass. You got got the wrong part of the country. This is Vermont. Oh, Vermont! I gotta change that. You said Florida. I, I said you, Vermont. Like, I read it right off the Florida. thing. You heard Florida. <laughs> I read it right off the article. I'm so used to I'm so used to Florida. It's true. It does kind of stick in the back of your mind when you hear things like this. But yeah, this lady was a badass. So we have a Vermont kidnapping victim mm -hmm. who escaped her captors by driving away in their truck with her hands still bound together with duct tape. Oh wow. So this woman was picked up on the side of the road and kidnapped in Vermont. They drove around for hours after taping her up and putting her in the back seat, threatening her life multiple times and trying to find somewhere to go to do God knows what to this woman. It was a man and a woman who kidnapped her. Mm -hmm. They're facing some pretty serious charges. I bet. At one point, feeling that she was secured in the duct tape, they got out of the car and went and did something. We don't know the details on that yet. And mm -hmm. this woman had the wherewithal to work the duct tape off of her face, off of her eyes, and get it up enough so she could see. And got the car out of park. They had left the keys. And she jumped in the front seat. And with her hands bound and duct tape half covering her face, she drove away in their own truck and escaped. Oh, my God. World's dumbest criminals right there. She was saved by the cops because people were calling in reporting. There's a woman driving who's bound in duct tape. You might want to check this out. Good. The cops stopped her car, 
got her out, got her safe, and apprehended the suspects within about two hours at a local um, at a local park. So these people are facing massive charges. Um, we have first degree murder or attempted first degree murder, kidnapping, first degree unlawful restraint in connection with uh, the incident. And then apparently the male also faces one count of first degree aggravated domestic assault. So I oh, don't know if he attacked his his partner, the female, uh, while the cops were there or what brought that part of the charge on. But, yeah, they're going to be going away for quite some time. But this woman, man, she is you said it a badass i mean oh, that's yeah. that is a survival instinct and that is i mean to to have the wherewithal to within a within seconds work that tape off work it off your hands enough so you can move and then drive while being bound man that's i'm glad she's safe i'm glad she's okay and uh woo, hats off to you oh yeah no i mean at the end of the day it's like it's it's yeah, I mean, she she literally was like, kill or be killed at that point. She's like, I got nothing to lose. Actually, no, I got a lot to lose. So I'm about to go ahead and get the hell out of this shit right now and just like go. Yep. And no one's stopping me from this. So, man, I'm glad that I'm glad that she was able to, like, get uh, get to safety, get out of there quick. And uh, props to her for that, man. I mean, geez, I'm happy that uh, I'm happy that she's safe because that was. Yeah, that's a scary. That's a definitely scary situation. Yeah, a freaky one. I can't even imagine well i mean i was never in that drastic of a situation but i actually did have a weird situation where it i was, was one time okay i'm sorry how many times do i need to apologize all right <laughs> i actually got very close to getting kidnapped once thankfully i was a little bit older yeah and i have the wherewithal to realize the situation i was in i was walking home mm -hmm. and a car drove in the opposite direction and saw me and I didn't realize that this guy had recognized who I was. And he did a U-turn and pulled up next to me. And I thought it was a little weird until I looked in and he looked familiar. He looked like this guy I used to know, Brian. And I thought it was him. So when he said, you know, started recognizing, talking to me, I started talking to him like he was this old friend of mine. Asked me if I needed a ride. I was like, you know, yeah, I'm just I'm about a mile down this way. If you wouldn't mind, that'd be awesome. It's a hot day. And I got in the car. And we got, I don't know, a block or two. And I realized with the way he was talking, I was like, this is not Brian. I don't know who this guy is. And as he stopped the car, basically, um, at the next light, it was, um, you know, he stopped in traffic and he's still trying to talk to me like he knows me. But I've already realized now I popped the lock and just bolted out the door. And as I glanced back, he was already raising the gun up. Oh, wow. So I bolted around the corner through some houses and just basically hid in some bushes till I realized he wasn't around. And then I got myself home. I was maybe 15 at the time. And uh, I mean, it. so I had a close experience. Um, did, they, did they ever report it? Did they ever catch the guy? I, I made the call, you know. Wow. Cops came and took a statement, but that was it. I described the car. I certainly didn't have a license. I described the guy. But if he had any brains at all, he was not around that area very that's, long. That's freaking scary, man. That is some scary. Like, I have a similar story, but mine's is more like stupidity again. It's always the drunk story. <laughs> and it's always in Mexico. <laughs> Anybody seeing a pattern. 
I mean, well, this is again <laughs> spring break. Um, I was uh, I was out in uh, San Felipe, Mexico, again working for this company that does like spring break trips, snowboarding trips, colleges, everything. I was like in my early twenties, like probably like, anybody who is our age knows exactly the company you're talking about. Okay, yeah. everybody knows this I'm, company. I'm not gonna mention the company because, quite frankly, I don't want to like I I. Yeah, I don't even want to mention no, the company. I understand. I, that's why I'm saying anybody um, our age knows exactly who you're talking about because every one of us saw the same pamphlets and flyers yeah, and brochures. Yeah. And- yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no. It was and it was and it was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. So what happened with me and uh, my friend uh, Stacy? Uh, we were down in San Felipe, Mexico, enjoying spring break. This is her t- first time going to being in, on spring break, and she's Stacy's just this beautiful, beautiful girl, um, you know, friend of mine that uh, that was really awesome. And we were down there, and we had just gotten out of the club, and the bus that takes all everybody, you know, in and out of the 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 city or the little town or whatever had left us. So I, re- I, I remember you telling me this. Yeah. So what ended up happening was that. Oh God, stupidest fucking thing. Excuse my language. Stupidest thing. That's the first time I dropped an F-bomb on here. Stupidest thing I could have ever done. And I did it. I ended up hitchhiking with Stacy. Now, if anybody's aware, Mexico is not the best place to hitchhike, especially with a beautiful woman. Um, Over there, they could easily kidnap you. You know, so and and we we saw this couple and we're like, hey, you know, we actually our hotel like I was again drunk out of my mind. So was Stacy, and uh, you know, we got in the car, old beat up car and everything. And I was like, yeah, you know, can you give us a ride? And like, yeah, yeah, no problem. You know, I spoke Spanish, so I talked Spanish with them and everything. I was so thankful that these people were just locals that mm-hmm. were also young and just having a good time. Had this been somebody else, well, yeah, you wouldn't have never you would have never seen me again. I would have been killed. I would have been killed and who knows what would have happened, Stacy. You know, so yeah. I mean it was the dumbest thing. You do stuff, you do stupid stuff when you're young. Oh, dude, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna case, say it. But the, in your the, case, it was different. You thought you knew this person, so it was a completely yeah. different situation here. No, it was a different situation, but I was thinking the same thing you were. I'm like, the things you look back at the things you did when you were young and just wonder how you're still alive. Cause I, I know I do all the time. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, it's it's pretty crazy, man. It's pretty crazy. We got Deborah that uh, actually she's got a story too. She's a, she uh, she says I got held hostage in 2011. I was able to escape and get home, and I called the cops, and they got arrested. So Lord, thank God glad, for that. So glad to hear that. Yeah. No, yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's a scary world we live in. Definitely a scary world that we live in. But uh, good thing that that uh, Vermont woman was able to like. Uh, do the same and you know she got to safety and uh was able those people got uh arrested and you know put in jail where they deserve so good thing for that in other offlandish news passengers get fed oh a passenger actually uh gets fed a banana in a japanese uh, airliner now this is actually something that was kind of interesting so a business class passenger who ordered vegan food served with a banana and chopsticks <laughs> actually showed a picture of the banana and the chopsticks right there uh it basically the the report comes from memzar and says uh a business class passenger on a japanese airline who ordered vegan food says he was insulted when he was served one banana with a pair of chopsticks on the flight a, sp- a spokesperson for the airliners uh, later apologized for not being able to meet expectations in terms of special meals during the flight as all special meals snacks and refreshment items on the flight were a banana so it wasn't like you know technically he got a vegan meal 
technically, if you want to be very technical about it, you know, I mean, it wasn't meat. So, I mean, he kind of got a vegan meal. I, here's the thing. <clears throat> yes, he did get a vegan snack. I wouldn't call a banana a meal, but semantics technicalities <laughs> there's a few different there's a few different aspects to this um did he order the i mean did he order a vegan meal beforehand do they have a vegan meal as an option on their booking site according to other news reports that i saw on this he had pre-planned a vegan meal and they said that they did offer a vegan meal on this airline but uh, I guess they didn't specify or they didn't really plan ahead because according to other reports, everybody else on the plane also were just fed uh, fish. According to, to reports, they were just all fed fish, no chicken, no meat, no other choice. It was just fish. That's all they were fed. This sounds I have I've traveled in Asia and this sounds very similar to some of the um, budget airlines that I've seen out there. Uh, this is not a problem you would generally run into on one of the major car carriers. And I don't just mean one of the major, you know, American carriers. I mean, even the major Asian carriers, um, you wouldn't see this very often. So I would suspect that this is one of the more discount or budget uh, Asian airlines. And the other, if you're offering a vegan meal, then you ought to know what it is. You ought to know what is a sufficient vegan meal and yep. you ought to be able to deliver. That's that's just irrefutable. If you're offering it, you ought to be able to, to deliver that. Now, the truth is in a lot of areas in Asia, you don't even know what the hell a vegan is. Okay. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of these, a lot of these sure. places are still just this side of being a third world country and in very many of their rural areas and otherwise the philosophy is still the same it's survival you know veganism is an entitlement it is, it is. i mean i'm not saying i'm not criticizing vegans i am mm. not in any way but that is not a philosophy you're going to see in a country where you have to eat everything you can if you want to survive because the food is scarce. Veganism is is born out of an abundance that we have mm -hmm. and that most of the Western world has. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. But what I am saying is when you have people who are literally subsisting on whatever they can, that's not an option. It doesn't exist in their lives. Um, so I, it's hard to say, I mean, was this a rural airline? Was this a local budget airline? There's a lot of details. I don't yeah. know, but <laughs> if you offer it, you ought to be able to deliver it as a caterer. I give people a chance when I was catering full-time, they, people were given a chance before the event to let me know if anyone had special mm -hmm. dietary needs or allergies if, or anything, allergies, anything. <clears throat> and if they let me know beforehand, you can damn well be sure that I was going to deliver on that. The problem was 99% of the time they didn't tell me 99% of the time they would say, oh no, the menu's perfect. It's wonderful. We don't need that. On the day of, and I'm talking weddings, I'm talking huge events, on the day of, they come to me and go, oh, yeah, the bride's uh, mother's going to need a vegan meal. Oh, my God. <laughs> then go get the veggies. 
I have broccoli. Enjoy. Yeah, you know, I'll it for you. I've been in that situation many times, and there's only so much I can do, you know, because I gave them every opportunity. I yeah. would have had a good vegan meal prepared for them, but they didn't give me the the information I needed. So I end up having to throw something together with every vegetable I have. I have no vegan source of protein. I have no, you know, and these people are stuck eating because people didn't take the forethought when they had six to eight months of planning to let me know. Yep. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the case here. You know, if they advertised it and didn't deliver, that's a major uh, screw up on their part. Oh, yeah, most definitely. So, I mean, it, you know, the guy and it still doesn't say whether or not he used chopsticks when he ate the banana, but that's beside the point. <laughs> um, <laughs> in other offlandish news, uh, coming up from China, looks like the Chinese offer a new kissing device, Jeremy. This is an interesting one. Um, so we have a Chinese company that is selling a remote kissing device designed to allow long distance lovers to share their smooches via an app. Nice. The remote kiss device created by Changshu Vocational Institute of Mechatronic Technology. Well, wow, that is a mouthful. That's a mouthful. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it uses a set of silicone silicone lips to replicate the pressure, movement, and temperature of a kiss that is then replicated by a corresponding device via your partner's app. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so sorry. It's interesting, I guess. Um, you know, it's funny because if you ever watch the TV show The Big Bang Theory. They actually had an episode where uh, one of the scientists actually did have a kissing device and they they actually had them. Both. <laughs> it was the both guys. One of them was starting to kiss and then started. He's like, "Ow, you bit my lip. And they were both like <laughs> they were both on either side. He's like, sorry, but I'm a nibbler. <laughs> That's so funny. They gotta have something. It's something similar to what you're talking about. But my thing is, and I heard this in the in the um in the news because I heard about this news report. And it what it doesn't offer is French kissing. That's the only thing it doesn't offer. It's just a regular mm -hmm. kissing device at this at this point. So and well, you know, for me, the whole thing's just a little creepy. Um, it's not, I've done long distance. I mean, heck, Joni and I did long distance for two years when we first met. Um, I've, I've traveled in Asia when I've had to go without Joni for months at a time sometimes. And this is still not something that would interest me in any way. I mean, um, I, know. there's something to be said for yeah. the anticipation, the distance makes the heart grow fonder and everything else. I mean, I truly believe that. There's something truly magical about coming home from a long, long time and seeing someone you love and getting that first hug. If, even if it's a parent, even if it's a I mean, I remember when I was a kid and traveling all the time for growing pains for publicity and stuff. And there were times where my parents wouldn't go with and I'd be gone for a week at a time, sometimes two weeks um, when we shot in. Uh, Hawaii for in the third season, my mom came with my brother came with, but after the first two weeks of filming, they went home because they had to get back to their lives. Um, other people that my mom trusted, you know, uh, Tracy's family, Kirk's family, uh, my director, 
they all took me in and allowed me to stay for another two weeks with them in Hawaii. And getting home after being away from my family from two weeks, there's something special about that hug, that, you know, yeah. that, that kiss, that whatever. Coming back to Joni every time when we would get to see each other every couple of months when we were doing long distance. There's something very special about getting to see that person the first time, getting to hold them, getting to kiss them. I don't know if I'd want to lose that, first of all. Second of all, just a little creepy with the silicone to me. Um, I'm not king shaming. Hey, if that's your thing, go for it. But... I, I'm not sure that would be my choice. I mean, we got, I mean, it's, it's funny because, uh, well, I mean, Joni's asking to show a picture on the phone. We'll go ahead. If you guys are subscribed to our, uh, Facebook page, we'll post a picture of it on our Facebook page, the Navarre Miller report Facebook page. So we'll, we'll post the, we'll post the picture on, uh, later this evening. So you guys can take a look at what we're talking about here. Uh, JC's also, uh, commenting. He says technology can't replace the real thing. And the fact that the Chinese or anyone tried creating something like this is beyond silly on the face of it no pun intended it's so it's a good point but i will tell you the guy who was behind this it was born out of his own long distance relationship so apparently this appealed to him um you know that's the he's the the head of this project he it was his idea his brainchild and it was born out of his own long distance relationship with his wife so I guess it could appeal to some people. It just doesn't appeal to me. I mean, it's only going to appeal to me when they upgraded to a tongue. And then, <laughs> um, you know, we'll go ahead and have fun with that one later. Anyways. <laughs> it, it gets lonely. Let, we're right moving here. on. Let's we're moving. On. It gets lonely around here at night. Um, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> you knew you knew you knew come on you had to know it was gonna come come happen We're next story <laughs> oh my god in other in other news and entertainment news actually uh looks like alec baldwin's troubles are just the beginning from the set of rust obviously we know that alec baldwin went ahead and pleaded not guilty uh to involuntary manslaughter uh you know uh over alina, alina hutchins uh and that whole situation where she got shot and uh, unfortunately she died from the gunshot wound but now it seems that uh there are three members of the crew that are now also filing a lawsuit against alec baldwin and the production company uh basically uh ross at diego doran curtin and reese price uh this is according to tmz says uh they were the dolly operator set costume and grip on uh, on the set of rust uh they're all suing alec and the rust production at large claiming they were three of seven people in the church set the day the shooting happened they were all they also claim that there was a lot of uh things that happened on set they were kind of uh cutting corners and things like that and uh they all they also said that the that the armorer uh, shouldn't have been hired to begin with. They're also saying that there was a lot of negligence. They're claiming a lot of things. They're also claiming that uh, they are now traumatized because they saw the entire thing happen in front of their eyes. So now they are traumatized over this whole situation. I don't know. To me, it sounds a little bit like they're looking for a payout on this whole situation. But I mean, from specifically from Alec, knowing that he has money, it seems to me that they're looking for an easy payout from this whole tragedy that happened. I mean, I don't, I don't know, Jeremy. I mean, listening to the news reports, what are your thoughts? Your, your wheels are turning there. It can come off as that. 
Um, I don't want to diminish the experience that is watching someone die. Okay. Most of us will never have to see another human being murdered, killed, die violently right in front of us. True. That does a lot of damage, especially when you're just at work. It's an everyday, you know, kind of a, you know, day you're doing what you've done a thousand times before that can really mess you up. So I don't want to take away from that. I really don't. Very true. But what I will say is when we lost Brandon, Brandon Lee, when he was killed filming the crow two, I believe it was. Um, no, it was the original. It was the first one. Original, original. Was the first yeah. one. Um, when we lost Brandon, you didn't see everybody running to their lawyers. Very true. Okay. You just didn't. It was a different time. You didn't see everybody running to their lawyers, everybody trying to get, you know, and I'm sure those people dealt with trauma, but it was a different time and they dealt with it a different way. Um, these people have chosen to sue. Now, I've told you, I do believe as a producer, Alec bears responsibility here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he is a producer on this film and the hiring of an uh, inexperienced armorer was a gigantic mistake. Absolutely gigantic. The decision to have live weapons on set was a gigantic mistake. Those <laughs> sure. things do fall under the purview of a producer. They do. So unfortunately, he bears responsibility there. Um, so I, I honestly, I don't want to discount their trauma because as I've said, it's, you know, my brother was a soldier. My son was a soldier. My family were all in the military. I've, I've seen what witnessing that kind of violence can do to people. So I, I, I won't discount that and say they're just trying to get paid, but I will say that it is a very different time. We have been through this before, unfortunately, in the industry a few times. That's why I find it so insane that it's even legal to have a live weapon on set. Uh, it makes no sense. There are such good replicas, uh, you know, replications. You can take out the firing pin. You can fill the barrel with um, lead. You can, there's all sorts of things you can do to make it completely inoperable. Um, and those are the types of guns that I handled on every set I was ever on where I had to handle a weapon. There were no live weapons. So it's insane to me that that is still legal. Um, I mean, can, can it be possible? I mean, you're talking like you mentioned something that I I look at as you said, we're in a different time back then. Do you think maybe that back then, if there were these news outlets like TMZ or any of these other news outlets back then, do you think they would have used that as a platform to go public? Because, it, you know, back then there weren't news outlets where they could go public like this and tell the public we're suing them and kind of, in a sense, kind of have like the backing of the public saying, oh yeah, you you know, we, we, we saw this, you should sue, you know, because they saw it on in the media because the media is so hyped now with uh, the internet and it's all over the place for everybody to mm -hmm. see. I mean, it's like you said, it's a different time. Do you think maybe that back then, you know, with, with Brandon, 
that maybe that's why nobody really did anything because there wasn't enough, you know, like such so so much media surrounding the internet and there was no internet back then? I think it's possible, but you only know what you know. And that story got a heck of a lot of media coverage mm -hmm. for its time. They had opportunities to run to the press. It's not as rampant as it is now. What I will say might have been is the influence of the sounding board of social media where people are online talking about this and a bunch of non-journalists just the your everyday warrior. average joes the keyboard yeah. warriors are giving their opinions if you're bombarded with that enough maybe that does affect your you know maybe if that was there back then maybe that would have affected it but or, they or, had or, options or what they had or what they're called, I'm sorry to cut you off, what they're called, uh, what they're actually, the, the term, the real term for these people are called citizen journalists, is what they're called. That's the actual, that's the technical term for them. I will never call them that because they're not journalists. Sorry. I, 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 I'm that just is, saying, I, I know what you're saying, you and know, I get what you're saying, but I will yeah. never use that term because they're not journalists. They're not. They're, no, they're but, but absolutely it, it, not. In a sense, it's a mocking term that uh, I would actually, I, I would think it's a mocking term really, because in journalism school, because I went to journalism school, I got my degree. I'm an actual journalist because I actually have, you know, a real degree in journalism. In school, they say that people that don't have a journalism degree, they are considered citizen journalists because they could easily open up a website and start their own news outlet without any type of uh, accountability, without any type of fact finding, without any type of uh, seeking truth or the main, the, the basic building blocks uh, for journalism, which is accuracy. One number one term that they, they embed in our, in, in our brain in journalism school is always be accurate and always tell the truth. That's something that they always tell us in journalism school. And you're, you're, you're smiling because obviously a lot of that is now a little askewed, so to speak, in the media. A little askewed, <laughs> nothing. The mainstream media has thrown that out the window, Very much true. less the keyboard warriors. So, you know, yes, I think it would have affected it. But at the same time, I do think it was a different time. You yeah. know, people weren't looking to get paid for their trauma people were looking to i mean and maybe it's partially because they just didn't know that they could i mean who knows but you know people back then and i mean i'll go even deeper i mean people back 20 years before 30 years before it would never have even been a thought because you you learn to deal you know oh my god i saw something horrible now i have to learn to cope and deal with this mm -hmm. rather than i want to be paid for the trauma because that didn't exist back then. People didn't really know about that kind of thing. So it, it was just a different time. I'm not saying one is better. I'm not saying it was just a very different time. And, um, you know, you didn't see that, unfortunately. I mean, I knew Brandon Lee um, not well. I mean, we weren't really good friends or anything, but I knew him. And when he died, I mean, you didn't hear anything in the media. I mean, not the media. You didn't hear anything in the industry about lawsuits or you know people i mean i knew people who worked on the set they weren't there that day but i knew people who worked on the movie and worked on the set you didn't hear anybody talking about god we got to go after them we we gotta it just didn't exist at that time 
Well, we'll de- we'll definitely see uh, what happens with this whole situation. Uh, JC also commented. He said, as someone who's seen uh, loved ones die, I have to side with Jeremy on this. That witnessing it can mess the survivors up big time if they don't have uh, uh, ready. Uh, I'm sorry. Ready. Are ready to go. Yeah, sorry. Are ready to go support system to help them deal and heal. I agree. I've I've witnessed loved ones myself. Uh, and yeah, I completely agree with that. So we'll see what Alec Baldwin has to uh has is gonna do with this whole situation because now he's got he's being he's being hit on both sides right now. He's looking at jail time on one end and you know, loss of money on another. So I don't know. He's got he's got his work cut out for him in this whole in this whole tragedy that happened. In other entertainment news, obviously the SAG Awards happened yesterday, and uh, one of the uh, one of the awards went to the cast of Everywhere, or I'm sorry, of Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and the one that presented the award just so happened to me, Mark Wahlberg. Now, as we all know, this is this uh, this. Uh, production was uh, pretty much uh asian based uh and what ha- what happened here is that obviously people like there's some people that said that uh mark should have recused himself from presenting this particular award for something that happened when he was a teenager many years ago and how he got uh convicted for i guess uh assaulting two vietnamese uh, individuals and he ended up serving some time for that uh for that um issue because he was also he also said uh, some uh, racial uh, profanities at them, uh, you know. So, but this again, this all happened when he was a teenager. And uh, Jeff Yang, an Asian American uh, WSJ columnist, basically said that they screwed up. They should have had him present the award, uh, or maybe they thought that this was Mark's way of, you know, kind of. Uh, 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 making up for what happened so many years ago by presenting this award, but he doesn't think that that's the case. He thought that, you know, somebody screwed up, uh, that the one person that presented the award shouldn't have done it. I mean, in my opinion, I think this happened when he was a teenager. Again, we do a lot of stupid things when we're young. And, you know, Mark has apologized for 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 the actions that he made when he was young. And, you know, like all of us, we're young and stupid. We, we don't know any better until we grow up and we're like, dude, we, I sh- really shouldn't have done that. And he apologized for it. Uh, to have somebody continuously keep on, you know, uh, pretty much ha- carrying a gavel around and just, uh, you know, uh, judging this, judging them about it for something that happened when he was young. I don't know. I, I think that's stretching it a little bit too much. I would definitely agree. Um, now, again, I'm not of Asian descent, so I can't speak to how that makes anybody who is Asian feel if they have a certain opinion about it or not. But I'm a believer in redemption and second chances. You know, I mean, I have to be as a, as a recovering alcoholic, as somebody who's worked in recovery with other people. Um, I am a very big believer in people turning their lives around. And from everything I've seen, from everything that Mark Wahlberg has said about the incident, um, you know, he's a changed man. He was a stupid kid. And the truth is, you know, Mark did kind of grow up, you know, on the streets of, you know, of Boston. Um, I'll tell, I'll give you a little story. The new kids actually came to the set of growing pains one day Mm -hmm. when they were, you know, pretty big and, uh, Mark came with, 
Donnie was there. They were all there and they just, they wanted to come to the show. They liked the show. They wanted to come by the set and say hi. Like the PR people all set it up. And while they were there, there was a drive-by where people drove by their house and shot into their house like four or five times. Wow. They were notified of that while they were on our set. Wow. So again, these guys grew up a little bit differently. Um, Boston is known to be one of the more racist parts of, or at least have a large racist history in the mm -hmm. North. Um, it's, it's very well known. I'm not criticizing you, Boston. I love Boston, but it's a fact. Um, there, it is all, it has been a bastion of racism for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Thank God nowadays it seems to be much, much, much smaller pockets, but dating back to even during the civil war, <laughs> they were one of the places in the North that was most, you know, against, you know, abolition and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so Boston has a history of that. He grew up in that area. He grew up in that mindset um, and doesn't excuse it. It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it right. But everybody can learn from their mistakes and can grow. And to basically make the statement that because of something did a dumb and horrible he did when he was young, a stupid belief that he had when he was young should disqualify him for life from interacting with Asian people. That kind of, sounds counterproductive. Sounds not only counterproductive, but uh, what's the word? Oh yeah, a little racist. I mean, it's be you know, it's I'm I'm it's sorry, but a human being you're, you're segregating race. a human being for a mistake. And yes, it was a crime that he served his time for, and that he seems. I mean, I don't know the man. I can't speak for sure, but it seems that he has grown. You know, it seems that that is not who he is, that he actually feels remorse for being that person back then. I know I feel a lot of remorse for being the person I was when I was not at my best, but I'm a big believer in second chances. So, no, I I may not, you know, have, be the best person as a white guy to be speaking about this, but I can tell you it's just my opinion. I don't th I think that's very counterproductive. And I, I think it negates the idea that someone can redeem themselves from their worst moment. Hey, dude, I mean, let's not even let's not even say that because you're white, you're saying that whatever. I'm Latino, you know, and I'm of Latin descent and I'm saying it. You know, I'm just I'm cutting I'm cutting off the, no, the talking I, I, heads. Yeah, no, I, I get and I get what you're saying, but like I said, you know, I'm I'm even saying it that come on, it's it's he made a mistake. He made a stupid mistake. He paid the price for it. He apologized for it. He's changed since then. You know, he's he's gotten older. Like we we all get older and we all look back at the dumb things that we do. And you know, as long as you are honestly sorry for what you did and you are being real about it then you know what let's move on it's it's done it's over let's move on you know where we're, we we've changed we've evolved into something better it's called evolution we evolve into something better so you know it is what it is i mean you know and i mean congratulations to the cast they deserved it it was it's an from what i've heard absolutely i haven't yeah. seen it yet i'm dying to see it mm -hmm. but i've heard nothing but incredible you know incredible incredible things about the performances and how great the movie is how enjoyable it is um so obviously very well deserved
Next up is the Oscars, like they said, and that's going to be another one. And uh, I mean, they have a really like they have a lot of um, competition uh, because, I mean, you got Brendan Fraser that's looking for that for that uh, statue as well. So we'll see what happens with that. In uh, speaking of movies and other entertainment news, Ant-Man versus the Wasp not doing too well in the theaters. I mean, they basically <laughs> they went from according to ticket sales uh for the third Marvel movie starring Paul Rudd's uh Subatomic Hero. This is uh, this is uh, according to Variety. Uh uh Subatomic Hero were down 69% from its 105 million dollar debut. Now, at this point in time, a lot of people are saying maybe Marvel is starting to die down a little bit. In my opinion, after Avengers it kind of it was, it was kind of like I kind of was thinking, okay, what next? What what are we where are we going from here? Because you already have Tony Stark that died. Spoiler alert: if you haven't seen it, which I'm I doubt you haven't seen it, um, but you have Tony Stark that died. You have the Black Widow that died. So there's not. I mean, I think it should have ended there, in my opinion. I don't think they should have continued on, or maybe they could have done like mini movies, like Disney Plus has done with Star Wars, done like mini, you know, character. I mean, mini shows about it, like they did with WandaVision. They did with Hawkeye. I mean, they did a lot of really good ones there. Doing these other big movies to start up another another Avengers movie. I don't know. It just seems like it's starting to become a little bit, uh, you know, it's they're starting to kill it a little bit, in my opinion. Well, I've said this before, and I hate to beat a dead horse, but one of the things that started turning comic book readers off of Marvel and a lot of the other, you know, comic book franchises was these vast multi-universe crossover confusing diluted storylines mm -hmm. they become too hard to follow you have to consume too much info to try and keep each story straight and that's what burned a lot of comic book fans out and i honestly think that's what's happening with the movies as soon as they started getting into this grand vision of 40 different movies and how everyone's going to connect through each timeline. I think they shot themselves in the foot. Truthfully, oh, yeah. I think they're doing the same thing that the comic books did, which is what really turned people off from comic books for a long time. Um, it's, it's a shame to see, but I had the feeling this was coming when they started, you know, announcing all of this different complicated, convoluted stuff. Um, you know, I think it's burnout. I really do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's just, it's, I mean, it's, they still have like what, three more in the process for phase, what, 1200? <laughs> I, mean, no, I honestly stopped following. I just, I'm burnt out. I can speak for myself. It's too much. And I really don't, I've lost my ability to care about the new ones right now. And then you got, maybe I'll get back to that someday, but right now I just don't care. Well, I mean, and then you got DC trying to trail along as much as possible, trying to like keep up with Marvel as much as possible. I mean, who knows? Maybe they might. This might be DC's opportunity to actually trump them, uh, you know, with the Flash. I mean, because you got the Flash, and you got, you know, old school Batman. You got Michael Keaton coming back reprising his role, which is I'm like looking forward. I think a lot of people are looking forward more really? to that, more so to that than anything. 
it's the only reason I'm going to be watching the movie. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's <laughs> I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm not if you if it's your thing and you know you're you love the Flash and you want to watch it, awesome. But it's never been a big you know I've never been a big fan. Um, don't dislike it, just have never been that interested. So the only reason I'll be going is for a little nostalgia from my childhood uh, to see Michael Keaton. <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that. We're actually going. We're actually going a little bit overtime here. Uh, Jeremy, shall we go overtime? I think we ought to go to a little overtime. We'll keep Let's it. Let's go quick. a little overtime. Let's go a little overtime here. Uh, we got uh, Derek is <laughs> Derek just actually messaged right now. He said, uh, "Did you just use not to beat a dead horse after the story I shared with you? What story did he share with oh, you?" Oh, I think it was last time I said. <laughs> oh wait, that's right. I remember the story that he shared with us on here. I forgot about that. It still comes out. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's ingrained in me i'm working on it <laughs> uh jc also commented marvel has driven themselves down with over complicating and over combining their storyline to the point the films are next to impossible to follow for most people you go to films to relax not to get a migraine trying to follow the film <laughs> well said jc i agree with that completely wholeheartedly uh we're moving on to sports here and uh x nfl running back actually uh we have uh uh I'm going to put this right here. Uh, Ex-NFL running back sentenced to six months in jail. Uh, Zach Stacy over attacks on ex-girlfriend. Now, many have seen the attack. I've seen it, and it's horrifying to watch. I mean, he, like, legit body slams this poor woman onto a table in front of their child who's only months old. I mean, this is this is insane what this guy did to this woman. And, but the story doesn't end there. Apparently, this isn't the first time this has happened. According to her, it seems that she, he she, he has attacked her. But this time, the the last time he attacked her, there were no there was nothing that was filming them. But according to her, he attacked her once before to get rent money that he had given to her for rent. He wanted it back, and he pretty much attacked her that time, too. So this isn't the first time that this has happened. Fortunately, this time, she got it filmed, and he's been sentenced to six months in jail. But honestly, I don't think that's enough. That's an, that, I don't think that's enough to jail this guy. This guy's um, like, he's done this twice. So he's dangerous. It's, it's absolutely not enough. Um, he has a history of this type of abuse. It is absolutely not enough. And a lot of people may say, well, it's because he's a sport, you know, he's an athlete and he's famous and this is that. But the problem is this is happening all over the country until we start revising our, you know, domestic abuse laws and things like that. And honestly, it's not even just because we're revising the laws already. Unfortunately, you have a lot of sitting judges. You have a lot of cops who are chauvinists. It's just mm -hmm. a fact who don't care who think it's no big deal that, you know, he threw a woman around or it's, you know, it's not, he's okay. He's going to, you know, these are the type of people who get people killed by releasing guys like this after six months who have a history of this. I'm sorry. I have no, absolutely no room for leeway when it comes to, you know, abuse like that. I, I think you ought to be hit with the absolute maximum penalty possible every single time. Um, you know, when it's an unprovoked attack upon a, on a, on a man or woman, because abuse, you know, spousal abuse and domestic abuse does go both ways, although it is considerably more um, common. prevalent, common, um, you know, male to female, but 
it's it's not acceptable in any way, shape, or form. And I'm sorry if I was a judge, I'd be throwing the maximum sentence at these people every time. But unfortunately, you have way too many people who are in positions of power who think this is not that big of a deal, and they're going to give them the minimum. And, and it's, a big, it's a big problem we have in this country. On top of that, he's also getting one-year probation. Big whoop. Six yeah. months in jail and one-year probation. Give me a break. Which, again, six months in jail, he'll be out in three, maybe even one, if it's overcrowding and so on and so forth. It's it's a slap oh. on the wrist. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and if this guy then comes out and kills this woman, it's on that judge. Exactly. 100%. Well, I mean I mean, it is Florida, so the, that overcrowding portion is—I wouldn't doubt it on that in that aspect for sure. Uh, so that's unfortunate. So this poor woman, she's she's obviously she's traumatized, and he is the father of her child. So I, I'm afraid that this isn't going to be over. This isn't going to be the last time that this this incident if, might happen. And if history I'm tells if history tells us anything, unfortunately, it most likely won't and it will probably escalate. So it's it's again, that's why I believe that people who abuse like that should be have the book thrown out of the absolute max sentence that they can give. Agreed. Agreed. Well, another and another uh, sports news. This is actually a news report that I, that was uh, that I didn't even I, I heard about this. Uh, but you really wanted to talk more about this in 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 depth. That Emmett Smith was actually supposed to be a dolphin. Well, here's the thing. This is really really interesting. Um, everybody knows Dan Marino never won a championship. And the general consensus of anybody who has followed the NFL is the biggest reason Dan Marino never won a championship is he never had a running game. Never. You can look at his career and he never once had a top quality, you know, Hall of Fame or all-star, you know, guy who made the Pro Bowl every year. He's never had a top running back to take the pressure off of him. And if you don't believe that's important, go back and look at John Elway's career. One of the most talented quarterbacks that has ever lived who did not win a championship until Terrell Davis, one of the greatest running backs that ever lived, came and joined the Broncos. And John Elway said flat out that he never would have gotten those championships without Terrell. Dan Marino was never mm -hmm. granted that. Well, after the 92 season in which Emmett Smith just led the league in rushing led the Dallas Cowboys to a Super Bowl. Apparently, the owner did not want to pay him. Wow. Did not want to, did not want to give him a good contract. And they were in a major contract dispute. And Emmett was determined, forget it, then I'm going somewhere else. He was a free agent. He was moving on. He reached out and called Don Shula, the legendary coach of the Dolphins, and said, hey, I'm a Florida boy. I starred for University of Florida. I want to come home. Let me bring you guys a championship. And wow. Don Shula said, now this is one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, and he made the biggest blunder ever. He played it too cautious. He thought there was a chance that Emmett was using them to get a contract so that he could bump up his offer from the Cowboys. Yeah. And he told Emmett that, I don't think I can do that. If I make you an offer and then you go sign with Dallas, I have destroyed the chemistry of my locker room. I can't do it. Emmett Smith swears that if Don Shula had offered him a contract, he would have signed that day 
and would have joined the Dolphins and helped get Dan Marino a championship. God, could you have imagined him with the him Dolphins? and Marino? Are you kidding? Look what he did Man. for Troy Aikman. Now, this is not just a UCLA thing. Troy was a good quarterback, yeah, a great mental quarterback, but he did not have the tools that Dan Marino did. He oh, no, did not, not have the tools, the physical ability as a quarterback that Dan Marino did. And if you gave Emmett Smith to him with the good wide receivers they had, oftentimes a really solid it would defense, have been unstoppable. I won't go far, so far as saying unstoppable, but oh. I think a championship or two would have been in the cards. And unfortunately, Don Shula passed. Emmett Smith swears it was not a contract ploy, but Don played it too safe. And unfortunately, Dan Marino never got a championship. I really believe he would have if Emmett Smith had been his uh, had been his running back. The spectrum of the NFL at that time would have changed so much, and it would have drastically. Been, it would have been something insane at that time. I I, I mean, wow! <laughs> just just the thought of it makes me want to just play a little Madden and just like you know, if I if see I, what happens, yeah. If I could go back, if they have any legendary players on Madden, I'd go ahead and get Marino and Emmett and see what happens with those two combined yeah, right sure. there. That would have been something to see. That definitely would have been something to see. Both of them pretty much in their prime, although Dan nearing the end of his career at that point. Um, you know, I think he had only about five, six years after that, but still pretty much, you know, prime prime quarterback time, I think it, it would have been incredible to see what that kind of offense would have done. I agree. And JC saying uh, Smith Marino could have been the Dolphins one-two punch on the whole league and lead the championships multiple times. I agree. I completely and utterly agree with that, man. Mm -hmm. Would have been crazy. Would have been crazy for that time. But, you know, the things of uh, what should have, could have, would have of life. Big shoulda, coulda, woulda. And then Emmett did, you know, it all worked out for Emmett because he ended up getting paid True. because in 93, the Cowboys started 0-2 without him. <laughs> oh, so that's where like, okay, we need to go ahead and renegotiate. And Jerry and Jerry Jones went, uh, what did you want again? Yeah, we'll, we'll give it to you. Just come back and help us out. <laughs> oh, man, that's a pretty cool story, though. That is a pretty cool story, I got to admit. And it's actually and it's a story that not that wasn't really publicized that much. From no, what that's I the weird thing. I mean, to me, that story really grabbed me. And um, you saw it on a couple of uh, media outlets in print. But it wasn't talked about real in depth on any of the sports shows. You didn't see anybody really go diving into it on ESPN or anywhere else. So yeah, I just wanted to get into it because hey, nobody was really. That's why. That's why we're the Navarro Miller Report for that <laughs> reason. Because we bring you stories that nobody else will go that are actually captivating, and we go in depth on that. So there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> in other sports news, another thing we're going to dive into is the fight that we have been waiting two years for it to happen. Tommy Fury finally beats Jake Paul via decision after eight rounds going back and forth. Now, let me tell you, I, we I, we were actually, we went to an event yesterday, which uh, was a, a very, an amazing event that we went to. Um, but uh, I was, you know, <laughs> thank God for TikTok. <laughs> There's a lot of users that were uh, streaming uh, the fight. They shouldn't have been, but they were. And I was watching the, the fight on TikTok, and I watched the entire thing start to finish. And there was a couple of questionable calls that I even that I even told you about when we were in the car uh, that the referee, I mean, you got uh, Tommy that pretty much hit Jake in the back of the head. No call on that. But when Jake did it to Tommy, he the ref took a point away for that. 
and then uh finally there was another uh there was another incident where uh tom where tommy was grabbing a hold or something like that the ref made up by taking a point away from tommy now what a lot of paul fans are saying was that this fight was fixed because in one situation they were they they thought that tommy got knocked down we saw the replay and it looked more like tommy slipped as paul was hitting him and it it didn't see he didn't knock him down more like he slipped backwards so you're gonna have a lot of the paul the the jake paul fans that are gonna come up with uh excuse after excuse after why paul died or why paul uh, paul lost died i'm sorry my bad <laughs> My mind's going ever. Uh, but one thing that was funny that I found hilarious was pre-fight, and somebody made a TikTok about this. I was laughing when I saw that. Pre-fight, they asked Paul, are you ready for this? He's like, are you at 100%? He's like, yeah, you're going to get all of Jake Paul. I'm at 100%. I'm ready to go, blah, blah, blah. And then post-fight, when he lost, he's like, yeah, you know, I got sick during this training camp. My arm got hurt. I was like, I thought you were at 100%, bud. What happened to that whole 100% talk? You know, so, Jeremy, your take on this. I mean, I'm sure you got a lot to say. Oh, yeah, you know I do. Um, you know, Jake Paul got exposed as, you know, not a boxer. Not yet. Uh, he's got a lot of work to do if he really wants to take this seriously, because Tommy Fury is a fighter. I will not call him a great boxer, because from what I saw of it, he's not a great boxer yet either. But he's a fighter, as we went into last, you know, on the last show, you know, being a traveler, they have a history of bare knuckle boxing and brawling and the man can fight. Um, but. Jake has got a long way to go. I will say they clarified what the point was taken away for, and it was not for hitting in the back of the head. The point okay. they took away from Jake was because he kept pushing Tommy's head down to try oh, and get right. a punch in. Okay. Now, that's why when Tommy got a punch that was a little wild and hit him in the back of the head, there wasn't a point taken away. But when he held him and started grappling him and pulling him in a way that wasn't okay, the ref took a point away. So it was a tit for tat because they both kind of violated the same rule. Now with the knockdown, I told you this. By all, by all, I did see the replay. By all definition of the rules, uh, the ref probably should have called it a knockdown. Now, was it a knockdown? No, it was not. Tommy slipped at the same time as he caught a very light jab on the chin. Mm -hmm. So it moved him back maybe half a step as he was already losing his balance and his feet went out from under him. Was it actually a knockdown? No, it was not. But by all the literal rules of the, you know, refing of it, the ref probably should have counted it as a knockdown. Um, that would have made a big difference in the scoring if they didn't count it. I didn't see whether they counted it as a knockdown in the scoring or not. Mm -hmm. um, from everything I heard from you while watching it, Tommy Fury dominated the fight. Yeah. Um, I, I read the stats. Tommy landed twice as many punches. He was, he was throwing twice as many punches. His landing percentage, connect percentage was better. That's how you win a fight. Yep. So... I don't landed, think it, he, he landed 88 punches and Paul landed, I think, 41. Yeah, it's it's a it was basically double in every stat. Mm -hmm. So you can't say it was fixed when Tommy outboxed him at every stage of that. 
hitting him double the amount of times in every way would actually make him probably still win even with the knockdown. So I don't know if they counted the knockdown or not. But hmm. a dominant performance, when you're in boxing, when you see somebody who's landing at twice as fast and twice as often as, as the other boxer, they almost they win almost every single round. So losing, a, uh, you know, having a two point swing from getting knocked down, if you won every round before that, you wouldn't, you know, the, the knockdown wouldn't make be enough for you to lose. It'd be enough for it to be close in the scoring, which is what happened. So yeah. honestly, I don't, th I, I really don't think it was fixed. I really don't. Um, the Fury brothers don't need to fix a fight. Not at all. I mean, I'm <laughs> sorry, no Tommy Fury, <laughs> you know, uh, Tyson Fury is as loaded as can be. And I, one commentator said that he's got enough for three lifetimes. Oh, he's got easily. enough money to like last him three lifetimes. So they don't need the money. No, I don't believe it was fixed, but I it also doesn't shock me that the fans of a, cocky arrogant for no reason guy who immediately goes to the excuses when he loses are looking for excuses to why he lost you know it just it doesn't shock me if this guy is oh you're a fan of him and what it doesn't shock me you're looking for excuses but if you thought that fight was fixed you don't know the boxing game true and to be honest i mean i will give jake this i Gained, he, I got, I got a little bit of more respect for him because he actually went against an actual boxer this time, an actual <laughs> fighter this time, and he lasted eight rounds with the guy. No. So, I mean, I'll give him that. You know, he has been practicing his craft. He's taking it seriously. Maybe he wasn't taking it seriously at first, but I think now, I think he's starting to try to take it a little bit more seriously, and he's really working hard to make himself known as a legitimate boxer at this point. He earned that same amount of respect from me. You and I talked about this. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan. I still am not crazy about the guy. I, I still am going to and enjoy watching him get knocked out the first time it happens. Uh, and it will happen if he decides to continue down this road. Um, he will get knocked out eventually. But I definitely gained some respect because you can see he's taking it seriously. You can see he really was training. Um but he did get exposed as what he is not yet a boxer, a professional boxer. Um, it doesn't mean he can't get there. He's obviously made some good progress in four years. Um, but he's not this prodigy boxing guy who, you know, just picked up boxing a few years ago. I mean, you want to hear yeah. a prodigy, you want to hear a prodigy. George Foreman was a prodigy at, you know, what, 15, 16 years old when he first got into boxing and then got looking into boxing. forward to that movie. I'm looking you know, forward to so that. Movie. My, so my. Yeah. But when he got into boxing in the in the military and everything else, I mean, within four years, he was fighting for the world championship. Mm -hmm. That's a prodigy. Okay. Jake Paul is the guy who seems to be taking it seriously now. Um, we talked about the this. Had the had the guy who stepped into the ring those first couple of fights stepped in with Tommy Fury, he wouldn't have gotten past the second round. Yeah. So obviously Jake Paul's been putting in the work. And he does get my respect for that because boxing takes a lot of work, but even, even, he's, even Tyson, he's got a very long way to go. Even I'm sorry, even Tommy, 
uh, at the end of the fight, he said, I've been doing this since I was like six years old. You've been doing it for three years, man. And you know what? You got my respect because for persons that only been doing it for three years, you didn't do a bad job. You did. You, you kept up with me, you know, so I'll give you, I'll, you know, there was a mutual respect right there earned, you know, from both fighters. So I, I mean, I, I definitely have more respect for him as a boxer than I did, but he is not ready to be a professional boxer just yet. Yeah, he's still um, a ways to go. I mean, he can go pro and fight a bunch of tomato cans like they used to in the '80s to build up a champion. He well, can pretty do much. That. They've kind of been doing that a little well, bit. That's what him. I mean. But they can still do that while he when he goes pro. I mean, that is how it was done in the '80s, in the '70s, even in the '90s. You don't see it quite as much now. They want to challenge their boxers a little more early on. Not that much, but they do try and go for slightly, you know, better opponents most of the time, or at least sprinkle tougher, tougher opponents in there. You don't fight 20 tomato cans anymore, and and then go, I, I'm 20, you know, and the best boxer in the world. That's what used to happen. So they could do that with him. Um, and maybe he learns something in the process and gets better. But I think if he really wants to go pro, he'd be better served to wait another couple of years, get better, get some more seasoning, work with some better sparring partners, and then get out there and do it. Well, he might have to not have to wait too long because according to the contract they signed, he does have a rematch clause. So there will be a rematch to uh, to the Fury Paul saga. So we'll see if he's we'll see if this time around. You know, he's better prepared because, you know, according to him, he was he felt flat. You know, there's a lot of excuses. He says there's no excuses, but he was like giving a bunch of them out. Yeah, he was just running down the list of excuses. Oh, yeah. Say, no, but these aren't excuses. Oh, yeah, but they're not excuses, you know. But, um, you know, so, I mean, he's got to, like, he's got to really put in the work even twice now. I mean, this this right here for Paul was more of a lesson that he learned. And he's like, so. okay. Yeah, it's it's more like along the lines, okay, now it's getting serious. Now I'm going up against tougher opponents. Now I'm all going up against real fighters, real boxers, mm -hmm. you know? So I really have to, like, do my homework, and I really have to train for the real thing now. Yeah, I was going to say, let's correct ourselves a little bit. He fought real fighters. The thing is that most of them were UFC guys mm -hmm. who correct. were past their prime. They were real fighters. Nobody can say Anderson Silva was not a real fighter. And no one can say that Tyrone Woodley in his prime was not a real fighter. Nope. But they're not boxers. Correct. Boxing is a very, very different game. It is a lot of strategy that is very different than mixed martial arts. So... He was not fighting boxers. This is the first real boxer who's still in his prime that he has come across. And he impressed me a little bit. He definitely showed that he's not ready yet, but he did better than I expected. And it obvious it's obvious that he's been taking this seriously. So hats off to him for that, at least. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, real quick, uh, Derek says, thank you, gentlemen, for going overtime. Great show. Thank you very much, Derek. We appreciate you, man. And we appreciate all of you for sticking around with us. You know, that's the news. In case you haven't heard it, thank you so much for joining us on the Navarro Miller Report. And just so you guys know, uh, I tend to do uh, some TikToks, uh, some radio TikToks every so often. Uh, I go ahead and play some good music. I play everything from the 80s, 90s, and today, from pop to rock and everything in between. I tend to play a lot of good music on there. So make sure you follow me on TikTok because Jeremy doesn't have one. Follow me on TikTok. <laughs> Let me interject. You guys know how much I hate saying anything nice about this guy, but he's sent me, you know, emails where he shows me the clips and the different stuff. The guy's good. 
check him out. If you guys like some music, if you like a fun time and, you know, somebody who really, you know, old school radio style, you know, this guy's really good at it. Check it out. Thank you very much. And I have you. And that is the, and that is the last nice thing I will say about you this year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, you, you burned it out in February. Good luck with that. <laughs> awesome. I'll take it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, make sure. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for that. And make sure that you guys follow me on TikTok. You know, I, again, I play, I do a lot of uh, different TikToks on there too for everybody's entertainment, which is a lot of fun. Uh, but I do play, I go live. So follow me on TikTok so you can get that notification that I go live and follow us on YouTube as well. So you guys can get notified whenever we go live right here uh, for the Navarro Miller report. We will be back again on Friday uh, doing do, uh, Derek actually. Uh, oh yeah. I forgot. Derek actually uh, 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 did uh, follow me on one of my TikTok lives and uh, he does did request uh, a song. So I, I went ahead and I, uh, you know, I, I do take requests on TikTok live. If I don't have it, I will find it and I will play it for you anyway. So, you know, that keep that in mind. But uh, as far as the Navarro Miller report is concerned, we're back here on Friday as usual. So make sure you tune in every Monday and Friday from 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and also catch the replay the next day. We are on iHeart, on the iHeart Radio app. We're on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, and many other places where you stream. So make sure you take a look at that. Uh, if you miss some of the show, go back, rewind, be kind, rewind type of thing. So, uh, but again, that's the news in case you haven't heard it. I'm your host, Dave Navarro. I'm Jeremy Miller. And we will see you back here again on uh, on Friday, uh, God willing. You know, it stops raining already, but we're as okay. As long as we don't wash away before then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks again, everybody, for being here. And we will see you all next time. You have been listening to the Navarro Miller Report.